0: This is the third in our series, Living by Faith. We're looking at the faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Uh, Today we're going to look at the faith of Abraham's servant. Uh, Grab your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 24. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The Canaanites were known for practices of immorality. They worshipped the god Baal. Uh, They worshipped Satan. Uh, They actually engaged in sexual orgies in their worship services. They practiced child sacrifice. And they had brutal practices in war. Uh, Abraham said to his servant, get Isaac a wife, not from the Canaanites. Uh, The people around here are totally amoral. Uh, Instead, go back to my people and find a fellow believer for him to marry. As we look at this account, I think we find some principles that are relevant for us today. How do we find people who are fellow believers for dating, possibly marriage? You say, well, how can that be applicable, asking your servant to go find you a wife or a husband? Well, our practices today for dating are not really working. People of all ages, from 15 into their 80s, say that the process can be very difficult. Uh, People try all kinds of dating sites like Tinder, Match, Zusk, Christian Mingle. Uh, Down through the years, the church has been one of the best places for people to meet other people who are trying to follow Christ and and find people that they can uh, then date. But young adult groups in many churches today are pretty pathetic. Um, My daughter has gone to Portland State the last three years, and she has tried uh, to find Christian fellowship. uh, She's tried uh, different groups there. Uh, She said, you know, Dad, there's nothing here at our church. And uh, uh, she's tried other churches. But some singles are just giving up. Uh, an elderly woman came in to see the pastor and she was planning her memorial service. She said, I want you to get all women pallbearers. And he looked at her like, what? She said, the guys didn't take me out when I was living, so they're certainly not going to take me out when I'm dead. Uh, 93 to 96% of millennials, people basically between 20 and 40, say they want to get married. Even among those who who say the mar- the institution of marriage is dead. They say they want to get married. It's truly it's really kind of funny. Uh, do you believe the institution of marriage is dead? Yes. Do you want to get married? Yes. Uh, between a guy and a girl doing their own thing and then meeting and dating, maybe getting married, there is a whole process. Uh, when someone finds a dating partner today, Uh, often they put on their social media, status in a relationship. Uh, Confusion comes when we call this process a status. Uh, There's a whole process of thinking through who to date, how to date, and evaluate. Our text today has a lot to say about it. Now, I'm aware that some of you are perfectly content being single, and that may be God's plan for you, but whether you are a teenager or you're in your 80s if the love train stops at your house and your life takes a new direction. And since I've talked to a lot of young adults and marrieds over the years who feel they made mistakes in dating, I want to share with you four helpful recommendations for finding a potential marriage partner from Genesis chapter 24 that can help us in this whole dating thing. One. Find a Christ-pursuing believer. Genesis 24, verse 3. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, Abraham's talking to his servant, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country, my own relatives, and get a wife for my son Isaac. Abraham says to his servant, Promise me you'll find a wife for Isaac that's a believer. Don't let him marry somebody around here who has no love or respect for God. People around here are totally amoral. Life is tough enough without God. I don't want him to marry someone who has no interest in God. His servant said, what if they don't let her? Don't let her go. What if they insist that Isaac come and live there with them? And Abraham says, that won't do. God has promised me the land of Canaan as the land for the Hebrew nation. Isaac has to live here. But don't worry. God will send his angel to help you. We read, make sure you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household, my native land, and spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son, from there. Abraham had some experience with angels. Angels came and announced to him that he and his wife, Sarah, even though they were 190 years old, would have a baby in one year. When uh, God asked uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac, and Abraham went through with it, the angel, Jesus Christ, in this case, stopped him. And so he says, don't worry, an angel will help you. So let's look at three of the most disliked texts in the Bible. Joshua says, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you. So this is like 500 years after God was uh, talking with Abraham. If you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you. Now, Moses stated, this is about... 400 years after Abraham, do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes, do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? These verses are unpopular with people that worry about finding a mate because it greatly reduces the number of potential partners. If you're not a Christian, you may wonder why God gives these instructions for Christians to marry only believers. Commands that seem so outdated, narrow, discriminatory, and exclusionary. The answer is that God, in His grace, wants to spare Christians the pain of marrying someone who would turn their heart away from Christ and share no interest in their love for Christ. Tori and I love praying together for things going on in our lives, for our children. Uh, We love going for walks and talking about what we feel God's doing in the world, doing in our lives, uh, how He's changing people's lives in our ministries. To share about Jesus, to share about these things, and have my wife show no interest, that would put me in agony. To share about the most important person in my life, Jesus Christ, and have my mate yawn, that would be awful. So God in His mercy mandated that you only marry someone who shares your love for Christ. But I've reduced that number even further. I say, find a Christ pursuing believer. In other words, someone who takes Christ seriously. There are 7.8 billion people in the world. We estimate that only 12.5% of these people are in their prime marriageable years, uh, like early 20s to late 30s. Now, people get married at all other different ages, but this is the prime marriageable ages. That means there are 979. 75 million people in this age category. Limiting ourselves to Christian reduces that number to 325 million because only about a third of the people in the world identify as Christians. Insisting that they be Christ-pursuing Christians cuts that number in half to 162 million. So you can see why these verses are unpopular to some. Two, Pray specifically for the Lord's leading. When Abraham's servant arrived in uh, Abraham's old hometown, uh, he wondered how he was going to find a suitable match for Isaac. He didn't have a dating app. That he could pull out where he could look at uh, ladies' profiles. Uh, so he just prayed, and he prayed very specifically. Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for my servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. He prayed very specifically, may the first gal who comes and offers me a drink and she also offers to water the camels too, may she be the one you have in mind for Isaac. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca, you know, she just comes walking down the path, her ponytail wagging, came out with her jar on her shoulder She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. So he watched her carefully. Was she really the answer to his prayer? When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring, weighing a becca, and two gold bracelets weighing 10 shekels. Then he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. He praised God for answering his specific request. When I met Jory, her husband had just died of cancer. She was a very young widow, and uh, uh, I met her, and I fell in love with her instantly. But I had never dated a widow before. I kind of wondered, you know, what do you, do you wear black? Can you, can you joke around? Well, she was in the same position. So I was praying for God to lead me every step. But she was in the same position. She'd never dated as a widow. Is it okay to, to date? Uh, can you become interested in another man? And so she was praying. <clears throat> so both of us praying for God to lead us put us in the perfect position uh, to begin our dating relationship. Um, I met Jory. Uh, I was the Young Life leader of Deerfield High School. God had blessed that Young Life Club. It grew from 20 to 200 uh, my first year there at seminary. And I was looking for a new girl leader, and Young Life sent Jory. And uh, she was with us just a couple meetings at the end of the year. And in the last meeting, uh, We were doing final prayers and saying goodbye. Uh, We had about 12 of us. Many of the leaders were fellow seminarians like me. Uh, Some went to the college uh, that was there. Uh, Some of them lived in Chicago, and we would be staying there. But most of us were leaving for the summer. So Jory's request was, pray for me as I go out to Portland um, to stay with my friends for three weeks. Well, I ran after her after the meeting. I said, hey, I work in Portland. Uh, Valley uh, Community Presbyterian Church, uh, call me as soon as you get out there. I have a very busy schedule. I'm, I oversee the middle school, high school, and college, three meetings a week, and we do six weekend major trips uh, out of the ten weeks, uh, so please call me when you get there. Well, she wasn't too excited about that uh, calling, but she decided to do it, and she called, and uh, the gal that was the receptionist there at the church answered, and, and she said, oh, Jory, Ron has told everybody <clears throat> that if you call, stop him, stop him, go get him right away. So it kind of blew my cover. Jory kind of realized, I think he might be interested in me. And that's how we began uh, dating. Three, look for character, not characteristics. We tend to look for characteristics. I want him to be tall, not too tall. I want him to be strong, strong biceps, but not, you know, crazy in the gym every day. I want him to be funny, but not joking all the time. I want him to have some money, but he doesn't have to be rich. These are all features. What we should be concerned about is character. Rebecca showed character by being kind to Uh, Give this man a drink. She's shown character by being willing to work hard. She was going to go down to the well several times. I mean, camels drink a lot of water. Patrick Lencioni in his book, Team, suggests that when you're hiring someone, you want somebody with three characteristics, and one of them is to be hungry. He doesn't mean hungry like for food, but hungry and they work hard. They take initiative. You ask them to do something, and they say, sure. You ask them to do something, and they go above and beyond what you asked. They're hardworking. When you're looking for a mate, you don't want somebody who's lazy and just wants to lay around all the time. You want someone who shows initiative and is motivated to work. Jesus teaches, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. The Apostle Paul writes, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can tell what people are like by the fruit in their lives, and that is best shown in their character. Don't underestimate the importance of this. You are initially attracted to a person's characteristics, but over time, you will experience their character. Make sure you know their character. Solomon says, better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Now, this isn't written for a married man. Great, now you tell me. This is for the single guy who's in the process of evaluation. He should be asking himself, is she always upset? Am I always going to have to be saying to her, hey, what's wrong? She says, I'm fine. Obviously, you're not. What's wrong? Tell me. Lady Solomon put a verse in for you too. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. And he also says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. If you're dating a guy who has a hot temper, I'd slow it way down. If you're building a relationship with someone and everything's going great, but all of a sudden he or she lies to you, does something dishonest, it will begin to sow seeds of deep distrust. Friend, if your potential mate lies to you, how can I say this? Get out of there. There's something a whole lot worse than not being married. And that's getting married to the wrong person. You end up with the wrong partner, and it's like torture. The loneliness of being single will not be assuaged by the loneliness of a king-sized bed. If you're uh, dating someone who claims to be a Christian, but they don't act like it, stay clear. Saying you're a Christian doesn't mean anything. Saying you're a Christian on your uh, profile... Is meaningless. You can put a bow tie on a pig, but it's still a pig. The psalmist writes Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Ladies, you want to be linked up with a guy like that. Proverbs 31, we read, She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Man, you want to live in a home with a woman like that. A man uh, served uh, in the military in Afghanistan. And he got hit with a phosphorus grenade on his face. Phosphorus grenade is like one that sticks to you and keeps burning. And his face was just destroyed and he made it back from there to uh, Walter Reed Hospital in the United States and uh, he was laying there one day and his roommate uh, was just like him his face was uh, destroyed and uh, his fiance came in and she looked at him and she said I can't even stand looking at you and she took off her engagement ring and left it on the table and stomped off. Well, this guy, hearing that whole thing, just started to cry. He cried for his, you know, roommate. And he began to cry for himself, too. What was his girlfriend going to say to him? And she came the next day, and she looked at him, and she kind of puckered up her lips to, to fit his and kissed him, and she says, that'll work. That is a woman with character. One reason you look for a person with character is because they have influence on you. God's purpose for a marriage is for a man and woman to come together to build each other up and help each other become better followers of Christ, better people. Jory and I said in our wedding vows, believing that together, we can better become the people God wants us to be than a part. Uh, Jory has helped me be a better person, a more caring pastor, and a more attentive father. Finally, look for someone who is willing to delay sexual intimacy until marriage. Back in our text, the woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Doesn't seem like an unusual detail to say that the woman was a virgin? But the servant knew it would not be an unimportant detail to his master Abraham. Isaac was a virgin, and he wanted a wife for him who was the same. God says, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. It is God's will that you should be holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. God in His Word says that sexual intimacy is to be saved for marriage. If you're dating someone who understands the importance of this and respects your moral standards, you found a good person. But if he or she is pushing and not willing to respect this God-given mandate, back off. You say, why, if a couple is planning on getting married, should they hold off on sexual intimacy? Understand that all of God's commands are meant for our best good. When a couple becomes involved sexually too soon, it often short-circuits evaluation in the relationship spiritually, emotionally, and intellectually, areas that are far more important for the long-term health of a marriage. The message we are bombarded with from Hollywood is that about the only thing that matters is sexual attraction and compatibility. Couples who begin their relationship sexually often find that when problems come, The relationship comes crashing down because it lacks the steel-like structures undergirding the romance. God's way is to build those steel-like structures first. Talk to each other and see if you're on the same wavelength. Do you have the same love for Christ? You know, how do they feel about uh, the whole coronavirus and opening up the economy or the riots that are going on? Grow together spiritually, become best friends, then get married. Then seal the marriage with the joy of sexual intimacy. When Jory and I were dating, it would have been so easy for us to get involved physically, but the rewards of waiting have been so worth it. Just like God brought Isaac and Rebecca together, even though they were living hundreds of miles apart, God is able to bring a mate dating partner, or someone special into your life. If you hold out for a Christ-pursuing believer, pray specifically for God's leading, look for someone with character, insist on someone who is willing to delay sexual intimacy until marriage, you will discover a wonderful relationship. If you've never given your life to Christ by inviting uh, Him into your life, telling Him that you believe He's the Son of God, And asking him to forgive your sins, you can do that right now as we pray. Father, thank you for this Old Testament text of how you brought a mate for Isaac, who was a fellow believer, and they were miles apart before they met. And we thank you for the counsel we get from that text to show us how we can discover those special relationships too dating partners, impossible marriage partners. So I want you to pray right now. If you've never committed your life to Christ, you can do that right now. Thank him for dying for your sins and in your place and ask him to be Lord of your life. And if you're uh, looking for a dating partner or a marriage partner, uh, tell him that you want to uh, do what you saw in this text and uh, follow his uh, principles. Um, All of you, just pray right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing our prayer.